All right, everyone. It's a lovely, semi-cloudy, almost rainy day here, June 24th, 2021. I'm with, virtually, with uh, Hannah Bryson, who is a recent alumnus, uh, graduate from University of Wisconsin Eau Claire in English Critical Studies. Yep, you got it. I, I got it, I got it. <laughs> and um, I won't, give too much biography or background there and it can fill in uh, other things if you'd like. Okay, we're gonna get right into our discussion here. And we've got a few things to cover. So I think it's gonna be a fun one. Got a few yeah, I think so too. Yeah, a few very intriguing topics. And so Anna decided to start off with getting into some, oh, she was in one of my honors class by the mm -hmm. way, honors classes on religious practices and healing. So somewhat relatedly, one of the first topics she wants to get into relates to spiritual practices. I suppose we could think of these as physical yeah. body-mind-based practices, uh, including the role of yoga and meditation, which are pretty big topics now. I think uh, people are taking very seriously throughout the world learning about that mind body connection almost again for is is almost like we're hearing it for the first time even though it's always with us which is a strange idea yes yes it is and uh, as i briefly mentioned to you i got to relearn about it all over again very painfully leading to hospitalization so sometimes uh, that's the route you have to take what's that sometimes that's the route people have yeah to you become the test subject so yeah. to speak so let's let's just start out. Get into how you want to address this. Your thoughts, your reflections. I'll I'll chime in. You know when it's appropriate. But go ahead and set up. All right. What interests you most? Well, I guess I want to start off with the statement that I don't believe that we have free will, and thinking about myself in that way has sort of changed how I approach um, my daily actions. And I know that this conversation around free will has been going on forever, whether you're coming to it from a religious perspective or just um, how you view humans. But I don't believe that we have any, except if we do, I think we get it through those mindful and conscious moments. Um, I was listening to a podcast that shed some light on this for me. And it was talking about how we have this wiring in our brains that says that when we aren't pausing, we're on default mode. And when we're acting without thought, uh, we usually default to paths that we've normally taken. And that's how you sort of get loops and patterns in a person's life. Uh, and there were some patterns that I definitely wanted to break and um, coming to a, coming to a lifestyle that allowed me to think about my actions did allow me to make effective change. Um, and talking to other people that have taken similar routes, um, I definitely hear the same thing from them. So that's kind of where I want to start off. Okay, that, that that's. Oh, I'll be a student to raise my hand too. Uh, I I thought of. Uh... I don't remember the author, I, don't, I guess it doesn't really matter, but uh, this concept of reality tunnel is, is very fitting. 
like related to what you're just saying because it's it's, it's a pretty straightforward concept that we get so used to the pattern of our consciousness and like everyday habits and not just habits, but our sense of what's actually real, like our sense of quote unquote reality that we imagine just being caught in a very narrow tunnel. And that is our, basically our life. And what's tricky and almost dangerous about that is if you think of this metaphor, if you think of actually being in a tunnel, uh, normally, you know, you're going to go beyond it and then you're going to leave and then, you know, move on. But, but the tricky and dangerous thing about this concept is we don't know we're in it and we don't think it'll ever end because that's become our life. So yeah. our options become more and more and more and more narrow. And I actually think that's in a way we actually, I think whatever little free will we have, I think we can actually lose that little bit, the more and more narrow <laughs> our sense of perception is, yeah. and it's certainly frustrating. I've always been a little out there, <laughs> not surprisingly. And I would try to talk about my experiences and, and breakthroughs and whatnot. Let's say like with my family when I'm like a teenager and they're just like, what is wrong with you? Uh, you need medication. <laughs> like <laughs> the usual, the usual kind yeah, of- Yeah, no, the, <laughs> definitely not the usual. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the response from a standard reality tunnel, I should say, is like, something's wrong with you. I don't know why you're talking to this way. Anyway, so um, I think that's, that's a very real experience many of us have. And we might not even know, again, we're in the tunnel, but maybe we unconsciously want to get out of it. We have an itch. Yes. We want and that's what can take us to it if we follow it. But you have to have that, that will. <laughs> that willpower to follow the itch. And some people don't have the tools to understand what it is, I think. And so they just get more and more frustrated because the anger is there. I, I don't know if this is the most, uh, most applicable example, but I think about, um, my dad used to commute for work and there was construction on I-94 and he would have to drive like two hours to get to work. And it finally just, he, he told me he remembered one day screaming in the car while he was stuck sitting there in traffic. And it's just like, that's your itch. You need to change something because you're killing yourself. And I don't know. You have to, you have to think about what it is that you're doing. And when you wake up every morning, what does your day look like? <laughs> but there were some, some things that you had said about the reality tunnel. And I just want to say that there isn't any room for horizontal movement in a tunnel. There are walls on both sides. You're only going forward. That I guess that's the visual that the reality tunnel brought to mind for me, but when you don't see any ability for horizontal movement, um, your possibilities are super limited. Even though you have an entire world ready, just ready, ready for you, ready for you to take it on um, if you so choose. But I know a lot of people also feel outside obligations that keep them in a path. 
And, and that has a lot to do with where you draw morality lines. Um, I, I know someone who is in a very hard uh, home life situation, but they choose to stay in that home life because they feel obligated to care for their family, even though it might be one of the most toxic things for themselves. So, you know, giving up some of themselves to an environment because they feel um, morally obligated to stay, even though that might be their sort of tunnel of reality. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it, it is interesting again, like you're talking about this horizontal movement and to what degree is there even choice is a great question. Um, when we have, when we end up in these tunnels and, uh, it certainly seems like most, most of the philosophies and religions I've studied throughout the world assume that we're all caught, <laughs> that we're all stuck to some capacity in some kind of illusion or mistake or whatever, however this is phrased. We see this in popular culture, the matrix and all these types of films. And these stories have become very, very trendy almost like some idea of we're in a dream or, you know, we're, we're caught or we're stuck or we're not fully alive, this, this, and that. So I think it's become a very, very persistent theme. Um, on the meditation slash yoga note, um, I'd like to, well, I read some of your reports. <laughs> um, I, <laughs> I get to assign the, or some people chose in my class to, to write about meditation, which is always really, that's some of my most, to me, it's some of the most fun to read about. Um, uh, yeah, you know, I, it's, it's, I think it's um, one of those things, it is an exercise, and I mean that very literally in terms of it's painful, like exercise, it can be boring, like exercise, uh, meditation specifically. And I think it's easy, especially because we tend to take these very much out of context and uh, kind of make up whatever form we want. <laughs> we do this with everything. Um, it can be easy to get discouraged. I think people might read about people that have these amazing breakthroughs or mystical or revelations or peace and tranquility. And then you try it and none of that happens. And you're just like, have this bombarding of your thoughts and emotion and it's it can be very discouraging I remember uh how discouraging it was and how impossible it was to calm my mind down um when I as a teenager you know as a full of full of uh, angst and whatever <laughs> confusion and all that fun stuff depression um but I'm I'm very glad I stuck through it because like any exercise again to use that analogy it hurts at first you, it's easy to give up at first. You get lazy. It's funny. You think just like, for instance, sitting meditation, you think it would be simple, but it's actually so hard. Yeah. And it's, it doesn't, if you get too lazy and sleepy, then you're not, it's not quite, you're not quite applying it. I think the way you need to effectively. Um, but yeah, just like over time with exercise, you start to feel that burn. You start to feel your muscles respond. You start to feel your body feel a little bit better. You start to feel maybe your mood improves. You start to feel a little more vibrant, so on and so forth. Um, the same type of effects do occur long time with yoga and meditation. I did a week long uh, Zen meditation retreat in total silence, total silence, 24 hours. I would love to, how is that? 
well, I was with two friends. Of course, we cheated a little bit. <laughs> a week is a really long time. Yeah. To yeah. I mean, in terms of like, sometimes we would just say a little, a little bit of something, you know, just to like tease each other, joke or whatever. And um, I loved the meals. That was so amazing. Communicating with people silently while you're eating was that in itself felt very blissful because it's like eating is one of those things it's like I do want to just focus on it and like I don't want to like gossip and talk about random crap uh maybe a little bit but there's something so peaceful of being with strangers and friends and we're just like totally absorbed in our in our food and and and, and you have to communicate with each other because we would serve each other non-verbally it was so cool it's so fun well, you can say behind the eyes what's that so much you can say behind your eyes yes agreed and you really pick up on those cues so anyways uh yeah i, I, won't, I won't go on and on but um, i do think it's a very important long-term practice i tend to ebb and flow i feel like i'm going back to kind of recovering my mental and physical health right now i'm going back to the most basic elementary kindergarten yoga and meditation and that is so frustrating. Yes, it is. It's, it's the most discouraging thing to have this like achievement and, and love it and then just have it, okay, now I have to start all over. It makes it that much harder to start again. It does. It does. But that's just, yeah, that's just, man, it stopped raining and now it's beautiful. I don't know what to do. What do you want me to do, reality? The weather gods are playing with me. I just they want you to get out and get out there and get rained on. Yeah. I just love being outside, especially after the winter. I just, every, every single second, I try to be out there. So yeah, anyway, I do think um, it's important to, to check in and tune in with your body. I know there's so many buzzwords lately about mindfulness and about groundedness and about being present. Gratitude. Sure. Attitude is a buzzword for me yes. sometimes. Uh, I, I, I just think it's important to actually investigate and try to apply some of these things. And again, if, if it's immediately discouraging or like any exercise, if you just get lazy and it's not interesting, um, you know, I think some of us are almost afraid of our own minds. I think some of us actually don't want to know what's in there. Like, oh shit, I don't really, really want to know everything I'm thinking and feeling. And we, we keep a veil over it. And I don't think that's another reality tunnel that ultimately I don't think is healthy. It's a, it's a kind of denial and repression and that stuff will bubble up. Yeah. But you got to investigate why you're trying to block a certain thought sometimes, you know, like there have been, there are certain moments in my life where I can think, why was I denying that truth to myself for so long? Because I was showing it physiologically. And that, and that's the strange part is sometimes your body tells you what you're like suppressing in your mind. Oh um, God. That's that was me a few weeks ago. Yeah. Total, total breakdown. That's absolutely real. Uh, the body mind connection is so funny as much as I've explored it and researched it I learn about it I feel like every year of my life in a, in a new way um, just how deeply connected and it's easy I think to ignore it or maybe I ignored it a long time and you can kind of get away with that <laughs> I feel like I did you know in terms of I was eating trash and I was just not healthy and and this and that and you can kind of skirt by that in your early years <laughs> 
Yeah, because it doesn't show as, as quickly. Yes. That one specifically. Yeah, that's right. Um, I do have a question for you. One last thing I just thought of is I had debilitating OCD um, a lot of my early life. And these practices were the only thing that helped, actually. Uh, you should actually talk to Gunder about that. Um, if you get the chance to meet him, <laughs> he has had this, the exact same background. OCD? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a thing with, with brainy people. <laughs> right? <laughs> um, among others. I have, I have just like tiny bit. I, I think, I, I think it's, yeah, it's like a friend that never, a friend that never really leaves. Um, I don't think it's ever going to be fully gone, but um, it's not, you know, uh, consuming the way it was. And, you know, and I went to psychiatrists and my parents were worried about me and they wanted to medicate me in the usual psychiatric field. Thank God, even as a young person, I was like, don't give me that shit. Nice. Don't you dare, would, you know? Hurt you more than it would have helped. Yeah, absolutely. That's just my own personal opinion on- oh, mine too, mine too. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's just something, and that, and I'm not saying this is going to be a common experience, but only through that metacognition or or getting into like what what am I like? Why am I compulsive? Like, yes, obviously my brain and neurology are firing in a certain way that I can't control. Okay, maybe maybe I can control a little bit or whatever you want to call it, direct it a little bit. And what are the things I'm worried about? And why do I, why do I obsess about them? You know, a lot to me, it was around purity. It was around things like bacteria, which the pandemic is, is great for, uh, great for people that, <laughs> yeah. ironically, I feel like, cause I, cause I've been, I was that way half my life. I, I could actually, I was like, okay, I don't need to neurotically obsess about washing my hands because I, I feel like I've already been through that. Anyways, but I, I did see people honestly become, become that way. I've watched people become obsessive compulsive about hand sanitizer and all that, all that stuff. Uh, yeah. Add to the mental health problem that was already <laughs> there. To make it even worse, to make it even worse. People legit for almost an entire year, some people were only buying packaged plastic food and then sanitizing the bags yeah. with alcohol. I was like, that's, this is insanity. God. Yeah, I was like, you need to look into how germs work a little better, please, <laughs> to, to, to those people. I know. I know. So that's a whole science crisis that we don't need to get into. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, in another crisis. Yeah. Anyway, so, so that really, and even like my kind of like very much teen, probably some hormonal depression and anxiety and all that fun stuff, feeling despair. Um, I feel like getting into those practices as a late teenager, kind of like right before college and into college was really instrumental for finally balancing my mind out a bit and uh, letting me find some actual lasting peace <laughs> uh, for probably the first time in my life. And um, back to what you're saying, I kind of realized my mind has been running my show. Like my mind has been controlling me. And then I'm like this little mouse running around in this wheel, totally with no control, fleeing from one emotion to the next. 
and people hurting my feelings and then feeling crushed by this thing and then feeling angry by this thing, but never really pausing and being like, why am I so reactive? Um, and you see people who live their whole life that way, like bing, 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 like the pinball reaction. They never, they never got the reins of their brain. You no. know, they never just like yanked it back and said, yeah. not today. That's right. So I, you, I, oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, what you, what you started this with was talking about um, like people get into this loop or pattern. I had a friend at work um, call it a karmatic cycle. Have you heard that phrase before? I think I get what you mean, but. but yeah, they, they basically were phrasing like, um, and, and they have a different, they have a different belief system than I do, um, but we kind of vibe on the same wave. And she was basically talking about, I think that this thing in my life is my karmatic cycle. And I was like, what, what does that mean? So she explained, she was like, I think it's my purpose on this earth to discover how to live my life in this different way. I think it's my challenge to face. And I thought that was interesting, um, an interesting way to put it, because I do think that if you ask people like, what is, like, what is your, what's your problem? You know, like, what is it about you that you just like mm. want to change? Um, I don't know. I just, I just found that interesting, her belief system around it. Hmm. Like, like they almost are meant for it. Yeah, definitely like a destiny component to it. A hundred percent. It was how she was putting it. Yeah. I think there's something to that. You know, I'll, I'll turn this over. I do have a question for you, but yeah, there's certainly times, um, including recently going through some shit where it's like, is this punishment? Like the, what did I do? I mean, kinda, it's sometimes when you're in abject pain, it feels like vengeance. It feels like, it feels like a part of you is striking back or, you know, but, but as I, as I kind of pull through, I think I kind of lean more to what your friend was talking about a bit in terms of like, I think I legit think some of us are meant for certain types of suffering. Um, yep. And some of us have a higher capacity and or are just called to go through really, really serious things. Interestingly, most of my friends and family and a lot of people I'm close to are all going through some serious, serious struggle and pain and suffering mentally, physically, spiritually, all or all of the above simultaneously. And there's something to that. There's something to that. But anyways, I, 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 I don't, I don't think it's necessarily vengeance or punishment at all. It might feel that way at times, but I certainly think that, uh, yeah, I couldn't really explain why, but some of us are pushed, call it, call it a calling or something like that. Some of us are pushed that way. Um, so question, if you want to just talk about maybe some of your experience with meditation slash yoga or some of how that path has been, some of the pitfalls or breakthroughs, whatever you want to get into. Okay, so I came, I came to yoga in November of 2019. I had moved to Minneapolis 
I was living on an exit ramp to I-94 and it was loud and it was bright and it was crowded. And that apparently didn't sit well with my body, but I wasn't making that connection. I just knew that I was very unsettled all the time. You know, I like the sleep that I was getting wasn't the same, but um, also at the same time, I was um, my, one of the mother figures that had been in my life. um, Well, actually, no, that was, yeah, well, um, recently one of the mother figures in my life had left very, um, not physically violent, but very violently. And, um, and one of my siblings had gone through a psychotic like episode. And so there was just a lot of, of, I was, I was lacking the peace and I needed to find it. Um, and I was also having some relationship problems and it was just rough. The whole, the whole thing was just a terrible situation. And so I remember I just got up one day and I said that I need something and I don't know what that something is, but I pulled up a YouTube video and I did some yoga and I like to attribute that to, um, callings from when we're a little kid, because when I was young, I remember like instructors coming into like middle school gym class or, um, just like one or two yoga classes that I had been to and really had an affinity for. So, um, I don't know. I think I was kind of drawn in from the beginning and it was just the first time that I could do it consistently. And so I did yoga for about a full year and it started off, um, really rocky as any beginner starts off with anything. Um, I just took the baby steps, but it got to the point where I could start to feel like I was meditating and that's the best way I could describe it. Um, but your, your mind just focuses on the body. And I remember one day I, this is about a year and a half into it. I was doing yoga, had done, watched a video, done it. And then I was just listening to my body and I've always had really tight hips. And so I was doing these hip stretches that she had recommended. And then I just started moving in my own way. And that was probably one of my bigger, bigger moments in yoga. And it was realizing that it really is just listening to yourself and breathing and breathing is the biggest part of yoga, I would say, um, as well as meditation, but your class and doing those meditation exercises, going through the different kinds of yoga, not yoga, meditation and finding where my struggles were because they each demand different things. And so some are um, following thoughts while others are trying to eliminate them or um, different postures um, and then exploring meditation through movement, which is yoga, but also I really like to run or walk, which, um, you know, other people might be doing, even if they don't think they're meditating, but doing those practices, I had reached a point in my life where I could tell that the way that I was interacting with the world around me had changed. And the way that I perceived other people's actions around me had changed. And this created a very beautiful and wholesome life. One that I can't 
remember having, you know, I probably had as a child, but in my entire, like cognizant adult life, I cannot remember feeling this way. And so it was just understanding that people's, people's actions were not related to me. You know, it wasn't like their thing, whatever they did wasn't meant to hurt me. There's nothing deeper than just being in that moment and bringing yourself to the present. But then I got sick. As you know, I had to miss your class for like two and a half weeks, which was a huge bummer. I couldn't walk. And so I couldn't do yoga. And that mental health drop off was so drastic that it probably took me until about a week or two ago to start consistently doing it again. But I'm starting from square one and I was discouraged. But I get to learn it all again. So um, that's that's so parallel too. That's interesting. Like my my health breakdown made me start from the beginning. And it is very frustrating. Yeah. It's hard to uh rededicate yourself to progress that you've already accomplished. It's like doing it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I am just really looking forward to regaining the mental health that yoga and meditation has brought me because. I can tell that when I'm interacting with other people, I have sort of regressed into that same mindset of reading too far into what someone has said or being self-conscious or being too self-aware in a moment and just needing to move out of this. But how, how do you tell yourself to have the mental fortitude to be like, it's stupid, just get, just get rid of it. You don't need it because that's how you're feeling. Um, so that's, yeah, the, the, that's the, kind of my yoga experience, I guess. The curses of being a intelligent cerebral person is all those things. Yeah. <laughs> all those things and, and being empathic and, and everything for sure. There's a great Gatsby line that always resonated with me. It was when Daisy wishes that her daughter would be a beautiful fool. And I was just like, so you want her to be stupid so she doesn't like suffer from thinking? <laughs> But yeah, no, I guess yeah. there's some truth to that one. Yeah, I've thought that I've thought that throughout my life sometimes, for sure. Um, yeah, th- there is, yeah, there's like a healthy detachment, I think you touched on when you really get deep into the practice, uh, kind of in terms of how you view people, like, uh, or even when you're just alone how you let things go <laughs> as, tr- as cliches that is let it go but like things drop off a lot easier um i i was doing i was so dedicated at one point in my life i was doing yoga and meditation hours a day i don't know where i got the stamina it was just one of those periods of life i, I was an undergraduate I, I i think i just figured hey i'm young might as well do something productive i don't know but I had so much stamina, it was incredible. And I remember I was like untouchable. Like if, if someone was rude to me, if someone was whatever, if my family was fighting, I was just like, whatever. It was just totally just, you know, and then- Then AF. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then life moves on and you quickly lose those, you quickly lose those, uh, that kind of shield, if you will. But I, I do think that's one of the healthier parts as well. Also the detachment with yourself. 
and and I don't mean I don't want to say this it's not dissociated it's it's and it's I don't think it's repressed either I think it's like third party that's a good way to put it yeah a little bit of looseness like a little bit of healthy uh space mm-hmm. um instead of being so compulsively in someone with you know long long-term OCD the compulsion 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 relates to thinking too obviously like the the obsession lays in the thoughts and then it manifests as behavior as compulsive behavior um so you easily can fixate on a single thing for days even weeks like some some obscure tiny little topic or or just get so caught in your head you don't even you're like wow I don't even know where am I (laughs) I'm just like so I'm so lost in my thoughts well, you can even forget why you feel or think a certain way because it's been there for so long. Oh yeah. And, and, and that helps you untangle that a bit. That helps you disentangle a little bit more and more and more. Um, I find getting back. Oh yeah. Side note, when we talked about like running and exercise a little for a second, I think that's probably most people's experience of a meditative experience is the so-called flow state when, uh, and I've talked to so many different athletic people about this and students who like come from an athletic background and kind of interested in meditation, but they don't think they, they have what it takes, which I think- But they're doing it already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like the, the just, they just, you just stopped thinking or, or you think a lot less or you're so physically, you're like feeling every muscle and, and the blood is flowing and you feel your heartbeat, you know, it's an amazing experience. It's, it's kind of one of like the highs of exercise. That's a kind of filling of the mind in a, in a way. Um, also, now that I'm getting, like I said, back to square one, I like to do it. So I have a beautiful, like a uh, shared, uh, I'm in a townhouse and there's like a shared, it's like a couple acres, it's really beautiful. And I can just walk around. I do no one's ever out there. So I just go out and do my yoga and qigong. And I, I just pretend like it's all, it basically might as well be my, my yard alone. It's your yard. Yeah. Nobody else's. Yeah. Nobody ever, ever is out there. So anyways, I, I like to do my practice up there and I'll be sitting there lately, you know, like, okay, let's, let's do the practice. And then, um, again, zoom, 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 yes. zoom, eight billion thoughts. Like, okay, okay, okay. I'm aware. I do the, I do the usual countdown. What it reminds me of, the way practice is affected with me, is I'm also a former insomniac. (laughs) All these fun things that come with, again, having an overactive mind. Um, So if you you sit there and you're like, I have to go to sleep, you'll never freaking fall asleep, in my experience, right? Fall asleep, goddammit. It's like, okay, all right, I'm trying too hard. The only way I fall asleep is when I'm not aware that I'm trying to fall asleep. It's an interesting paradox. It's interesting. You just, you just, you just, you just drop it. I found a very similar thing. I'll be out there doing my meditation or I have a little altar room where I do it as well. Sometimes that's even more frustrating. I don't know. Like being in the right space. A part of me is like, Nope, I don't want to. It's like a little, little kid inside. you. He's like, I don't want to. Anyways, I'll be doing the, <laughs> I'll be doing the practice. And it's the same thing, a billion thoughts. And I get so frustrated. I'm like, I don't even know how to meditate anymore. I don't know what happened. Right? And then, you, you think you've lost the skill. Yeah. And then, but I don't give up. I keep persevering. Suddenly I feel this like 
bliss. I feel this tranquility. Mm -hmm. I realize I've gone five minutes without thinking anything. And I'm like, oh, yeah. I was, yeah. <laughs> I was finally doing it. Like tricking your, your, tricking your mind out of your own mind is, is how it is sometimes. Um, and that's just kind of like, because I'm at beginner level, you know, my asanas, my yoga postures, again, they're so simple right now. My spine is very inflexible, partially being in a hospital bed for a week, but just, just not being very physically active lately. So, and it's a similar thing. I, I want to do like all the great headstands and the cool stuff like right away. I know, I know, but, but it's just like slowly easing into it is all I can handle right now. Yeah. That's how I would describe my journey to like, you said that some people have these aha moments, but it was definitely just an, a gradual incline into, really notice it, yeah. into being like, this is amazing. I'm never going to stop doing this ever because I would probably sure. die. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. Um, one thing I think about getting back to it after after having to start over too, is I think it is more frustrating because the first time that you're learning it, you don't understand what it can be. And so you're not frustrated at yourself when your mind is still doing what it's always done. And then all of a sudden, that's true. And then all of a sudden you have this next experience where you're like, this isn't as blissful as I remember. I'm so frustrated. That's a good point. And you're just like, come bored. I want to, I want to eat something. I wonder what so-and-so is doing. Yeah. <laughs> the distraction <laughs> the infinite distraction all right all right hang on here 